Welcome to Bickering Peaks with your hosts, Aiden and Lindsay. So, episode 16. Of season two. Of season two. Yes. Uh, it's been a few weeks since it has, we recorded. It has been a few weeks. I was uh, recovering from some kind of throat ailment. But we won't talk about that here because nobody wants to hear about it. That's yep. for Lindsay's Fun Time Health Happy Hour. Yes. Um, which is on a- another podcast. So Sure. <laughs> uh, nobody so listens to. <laughs> but, uh, so yeah, we uh, we have, it's been a while, so uh, forgive us if we forget a, f- a few well, episodes we, we, past. We think, rewatched the last episode the last episode. before we watched this episode. Um, but so there, we, you know, if there's something you know. a few episodes previous to that, we might have, we may have forgotten. So forgive us for that. Um but yeah, we're here again, and we're going to talk about The Condemned Woman. It was written by Trisha Brock, directed by Leslie Linka-Glatter, who mm. is my favorite, your favorite, Aiden? No? Maybe? Well, David Lynch. Other than David but Lynch. Other than David I mean, Lynch, yes. Than, she's yeah, she's, she's up favorite. there. Trisha Brock, however, wrote my least favorite episode. Right. The one right after... Right after uh, uh, well, Leland's, Leland's death, yes. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that is definitely my least favorite episode so far. This one's not great either, but uh, the writing is definitely better than it was in that episode. Yeah, I find. yeah, um, yeah. It aired on February February sixteenth, nineteen ninety one, and was the last episode to air for quite a long time. Yes, which do you want to talk about that now? Well, as well, we no, can we, talk about it. Let's talk about it. Now. Okay, because, sure. Let's talk about it now. So basically, uh, this could have been the last episode that ever aired on yes. of Twin Peaks. Yes. Uh, ABC pulled it. Uh-huh. And was going to never air anything ever again. Yes, and there was uh, a massive campaign yeah, to get fans the, got out and to get those last six episodes aired yeah. and uh, and it worked. It worked. Um, but it took a few weeks. And mm-hmm. I guess uh, fans who were around at the time talk about that period being one of the hardest they've ever had to go through up until the twenty six year gap <laughs> between the, so those, those the finale six episodes, yeah. and May twenty first. 2017, yeah. which is when the series returns. But this six-week period was, up until that point, the the difficult, yes. a difficult haul. And, and if you can imagine, I mean, if you're, you're obviously you've watched this episode or you wouldn't be listening to us, I hope. Um, this is the episode that famously ends with Josie's face in a, in a, in a drawer pull. In a drawer pull. So it's, um, imagine that, if that was the last scene that ever aired of Twin Peaks. It would have been very Twin Peaks-y. Well, but in a way it would have been fitting because the first face we see yes. in Twin Peaks is Josie's, Josie's in the mirror in the pilot. Yeah. So for the last thing to, we would see, if that were Josie's face in a drawer pull, I mean, it would it signifies kind Something. of a downward slope yeah. that a lot of people, yeah, say, us included, yes. say that season two went to. It's, it's really the lowest, well... well it's it's a low point. It's a low point, although. But it's not yeah, really, is no, it's, it? I, I don't know. I mean, Josie's death is it's another mystery that I yeah. feel like they could have if season three had come up, it would have been something they would have played with, and it could have been really interesting. But Joan Chen wanted out of the out of her contract. Oh, she, she did. Yeah, she okay. didn't want to be on the show anymore, and um, so whether they had any plans to bring her back, there are theories abounding about her role um, in a potential season three or. Uh, from Firewalk with Me, her sister, potentially her sister Judy, um, which is a theory yeah, that people there's have. There's a lot of theories there's, about. Uh, you know, we're not going to well, get into and, it. And there but. was even in the final episode, there was supposed to be a few shots of Josie, apparently. That, right. That didn't make the, the final cut. Yes. So there's there's always been some speculation about Josie, and there's some interesting stuff. We'll probably link to it in the in the uh, description. Yeah. Give you some links of some speculation about Josie if yeah. you're interested. So. But this is, this is her final episode. This yes. is her swan song. Yeah. 
uh, such as it is. Yes. Um, and fittingly, okay, well, the, the episode takes place on around March 20th, 1989. Mm-hmm. Um, fittingly, with regards to the drawer pull, we have the Log Lady intro, which yes. speaks exclusively about drawer, about drawer, drawer pulls. That's a phrase that's going to be hard to say a billion times over. Drawer pull. Drawer pull. Drawer do you want to coin something drawer else? Drawer pull. It looks funny when I look at it long enough. Yeah. Sorry. Well. Okay. Hey, we didn't do the intro. The German title. Oh. Do you want to do that? Die Condemned Woman. No, you, that's not it Leif, at all. What's, what's the word in? That's Old English. Machen. <laughs> What, what is, is it? No, like, what is a uh, woman is a oh, frau. <laughs> that took way more than it should have. Yeah. Let's do this, though. I can't believe I reminded you. <laughs> I hate this, and I'm now... We should translate it into other languages. No. We should do it to the English to the German, and then from the German to another language, and then back to English. And then back again. We no could do that, but we'll game. put it in the comments. Yeah. We'll, we'll link it up. But I want to try and speak Turkish. <laughs> Okay, so, so in we've looked up the German title, and it is what? Sorry, Lindsay, how did I say it again? Die Verdammt? Yeah. Die Verdammt. We'll see if this... Die Verdammte. Dampte. Die Verdammte. Die Verdammte, which is the damned. Literally, yeah. it just... So the condemned woman, yeah, it's close. Yeah, sure, yeah it's it probably works. just the feminine version of that. Okay. Um, so yeah, uh, Log Lady. Yes. Wow, she talks about drawer pulls. Mm-hmm. That's all. Mm-hmm. That's all this is about. It's about the last shot when Josie goes in. I have the a dr- feeling that based on this, the log lady has spent the last 25 years working at Ikea. What? What? She sells drawers. Drawer pulls. Drawers. Drawers. Shelving units. What? Nothing. That doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. That's not that so funny. She's trying to be funny. You failed. Okay. That in itself can be funny. So maybe our listeners will laugh at you. So Log Lady talks about drawer pulls. Yep. Um, what could possibly be happening in this drawer pull? <laughs> Don't know why I threw on an accent there. How many drawer pulls exist in the world? Thousands, maybe millions. I'm sure it's I'm closer sure to it's millions. Many millions. Um, and then they ask the one that I find David Lynch does this with a lot of the Log Lady intros. It's, what is a drawer pull? <laughs> they just throws that out there. What is it? And I just burst out laughing at that point. I don't even remember what she said after that. Uh, there was a really great close-up. It was. It's the yeah, first time that we go from in, this right? like this like middle shot. Yeah. To. It was like just it, her face. Yeah, yeah, right up close, and uh, and that was really interesting. Um, probably because it's you know now the log lady is the only thing in the frame. Our TV screen becomes the drawer pull. The log lady is in our TV. I don't know. I'm reaching. No, yeah, here. that's that's. I'm trying to make something happen. No, just like I feel like David Lynch was doing with this. He's like, what am I going to talk about for this episode? I'll just drawer do the pulls. drawer pulls. There it is. So yeah. that's what he did. But anyway. Uh, so yeah, first shot. Yeah, we're at the sheriff's station. Sheriff's station. And we get this really interesting pan across. Mm-hmm. Uh, close-up shot of an owl, and then the chessboard and the death mask. And the tape recorder. So it's kind of yeah. uh, symbols of things that we've seen in the last few episodes that represent yeah. Twin Peaks, that represent Agent Cooper, that represent the danger of what's happening here. And uh, yeah, and Earl's uh, tape is playing. Yes, back exactly. As, as this panic. It's is the warning that um, the last is it the last warning that that Agent Cooper got? The one that was playing. Yes, when he found one, the death yeah, mask. Yeah, when he found so the death mask, it just continues. He's bringing this to uh, Sheriff Truman, who is understandably concerned for his friend and won't let him out of his sight. Yes. Um, but Cooper 
responds with, if Wyndham wanted me dead, dead. I'd be dead already. Yeah. So this is a game, and, and Cooper knows that, that like Albert said in the, in the previous episode, that Wyndham only wants to dance with him. Mm-hmm. And this is, this is part of the fun. He doesn't want to just kill Agent Cooper or make him suffer. Him. He's yeah. playing with him. He wants so. to corner the king and then kill him yep. eventually yep. after he's taken all the other important pieces off, exactly. off the field. So, um, And they basically they decide, oh, well, we got to get in touch with Pete right away. Yes. we got to make a decision about this move. Yeah. Um, because, and, yeah, and they have to get it done quickly because Windermere wants it yes. in the newspaper. So the they've got to get it in the Gazette before the personals ads close for the night. Whatever. So there's a time limit now, even more pressing than you know, the death of another person, I yeah. guess. <laughs> yeah, I suppose so. But yeah. Um, yeah, so they uh, there's a funny little exchange. Uh, Lucy, call Pete Martell. Get him over here right away. Then call the paper. Find out the latest possible deadline for tomorrow's personals call. Paper and Pete. Got it. I'll do it alphabetically. Like, yeah, it's cute. Uh, and it's cute. Um, and then there was an odd thing at the end. Cooper... Uh, like Truman comments on the death mass says, yeah. oh Carolyn was so beautiful and Cooper says she was the love of his life yeah and I have to wonder how long did he know her yeah how does he how many relationships has he been in that he would know I'm glad you brought that up because we didn't talk about this before but I noted it too that um, that, that it, it is a weird thing first of all it's weird that you would comment on a death mask and say that yeah, from the death pretty. mask that she's beautiful yeah um, especially which, one that didn't look like anything it looked yeah, like a mask yeah it, it doesn't people, death masks don't look like people they look like masks well they look like it's a representation of the dead person it's not something that it, yeah, but even then, it's it lacks all the, the course, skin texture and exactly. all the features that make someone recognizable. It's just they all kind of on top of insane. it being yeah morbid and gross. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's it's a weird it's a weird moment to begin with, but then also it's yeah like we I maybe just because we watched the the last episode the Diane Keaton um, uh, episode fifteen yeah. before we watched this one, um, it seems weird that Agent Cooper has such a strong feeling for Caroline. Um, now, we don't know the timeline of their relationship, but if you've read his autobiography, it it seems like their relationship kind of happens over a very quick period of time. Yeah. So, so, I mean, that's the perspective I'm coming at it from, and I thought it was weird that he would call someone he just met yes, the love of his life. Exactly. Is that how you... Yeah, no, I, like I said, how long did he know yeah. her? Yeah. And the whole time he knew her, she was married to Wyndham Earl. Right. So how close could they have actually been Yeah. without just that maybe that excitement and lust of an early relationship so, and the, you know, the excitement of, of doing it behind your partner's back. Exactly. So this is this is one of the things that um, I've been having a lot of trouble with. Um, a lot of people really want to hero worship Agent Cooper and call him this um, pinnacle of virtue and he's absolutely perfect but here's a guy who was you know having an affair with his partner's wife behind his partner's back obviously who was also a material witness yes um and falling in love with someone so quickly i mean clearly this guy has some hang-ups yeah yeah there's some issues there i would say maybe some mommy issues Uh, which you well, won't let's get not into be just too reductive, yes. but but yeah, it's it does seem like there's more going on here, and that um, that was really troubling to me this time to yeah. kind of well to see realize. him so so like he can read other people so well, yeah. um, and he he you know he, he right away Bobby didn't love Laura right. five seconds of talking exactly. to him 
but he thinks he was in love with this woman. Right, like, after he was how long? Like, love of his life after yeah. who knows how long, not very long. No, had never actually been in the relationship alone exactly. with this person. I mean, I, th- I felt like this was just a throwaway line that someone... Probably. The, the writer uh, threw in <laughs> to, to kind of strengthen amp this. The, yeah, amp yeah. it up a little bit. But it feels very artificial and it doesn't it doesn't. Yeah, work. It's, it doesn't, it's forced. It's, yeah, and, it's not in keeping with Cooper's character. But, no, I will say, it, maybe it is hinting at something with Coop, Cooper's Fair character. Fair enough, yes. So, well, and, and the relationship we see in the future with Cooper. Exactly. And this is where, I mean, we're going to have a lot to talk about when we get to the finale because there are lots of theories about the relationship between Caroline and... Um, Cooper's love interest in the second yes. season. Yeah. So we'll we'll get to that, but yeah. it, but it is it is interesting to bring up. It's worth talking about. Yeah, right now. Uh, okay, so yeah, then we jump to the Blue Pine Lodge, and it's Pete on the horn with. Uh, I, is he talking to Lucy? Probably. I think he's talking to Lucy. Yeah, he says, "Yeah, I'll be right over." Right, and uh, and there's a really cute little scene between oh, Pete and Andrew. Ser- well, he serves breakfast to Catherine and Andrew, and he has this plate of breakfast that's a smiley face with eggs. Yeah, like and eggs bacon. and the bacon and the toast and everything. Just to make and the ears and everything. it's great. Andrew and, and Pete just burst, burst out, out laughing, laughing. and, and so Catherine <laughs> is just sitting there like the ice queen she is. Yeah, she just doesn't see any humor in this. But I love that there's. I mean, we commented on it previously that um, I think we did. That uh, Pete and Andrew seem like they they really did get along. Yeah, yeah. Um, brothers in law, but they were more exactly. like brothers than Catherine yeah. is related well, Catherine, to either of them. Catherine yeah. mentions that she she it bothers her that they act like the Hardy Boys. Yeah, and uh, and that is telling that these yeah. two are kind of cut from the same cloth. Even though Andrew is very refined, and and Andrew makes a comment to Catherine that he he had hoped that she would have aged out of this mm-hmm. behavior, this temperament, yes. the storm that te- that boils inside of her, but. But no, no, she hasn't. That's how she is. And, and she wants to get right down to business. So as soon as Pete leaves to go to well, the sheriff's yeah, station. One interesting note, Pete gives another kiss on the hand to the yes. chief, reminiscent of the first episode. Yes. Um, which means uh, to me that their relationship is right back to where it was. Well, there, are, there are a couple of things that call back to the first episode, yeah, too. Yeah, which, this, yeah, yeah, this episode for sure. I, I guess in that sense it would have been fitting if this was the final episode. Yeah, I'm glad it wasn't, ways, yeah, but, yeah. but there are a lot of things that just kind of happened. Yeah, to, but anyway. Up. But anyways, yeah. Yeah, so they leave, and uh, Josie walks in. Yes, and she's carrying a bunch of wood, which a I thought was wood. interesting. Yeah, nice. just uh, kindling, I guess. Yeah. And uh, and she faints when she sees Andrew. Because, yeah, the first... she doesn't know that he's alive. Exactly. As it's far the first as time she knows, she's seen him. she successfully killed him. Yes. Um, and, and I love that that's what makes Catherine laugh. Yes. <laughs> like, the, not the hilarious breakfast plate, which I think was just comedy gold that doesn't affect <laughs> Catherine at all it is it is the fact that she inflicted pain on Josie yeah. and made her faint it is kind of telling it's very telling of Catherine Catherine has some moments in this episode that we'll talk about when we get there but uh, yeah, yeah she's there's some yeah she's back to form I think in yes. a lot of ways yes and, yes. and it she was on her heels I feel like in the end of season one and yeah. uh, season two at the start of it but now yep she's back to Herself. Yeah. I mean, I, I also love Andrew's laugh. Of course. Andrew just has a great laugh. They're very, this is a very um, soap opera scene, and it's played for that, in that vein, yeah. by these actors. Yeah. These veteran actors who, yeah. Uh, yeah. And it's kind of telling in comparison to the last episode where um, it was Catherine and Eckert. Eckert. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, they had this kind of witty rap, uh, rapport back and mm-hmm. forth uh, that. 
Well, it was very quick, odd. and it was very... Well, when we talked about that, too, that it, it was coming... A lot of it felt like it was coming from the direction. Yes. That Diane Keaton was bringing this anxious energy to yeah. the to the scene. Yeah. And things seem a bit more relaxed. But yeah, here we have a return the, to... A, uh, you know, Leslie Lincoln Gladder has yeah. done a few episodes. Number of episodes, yeah. And, uh, and she had a, I think she had a better grasp on what makes Twin Peaks drama work. It's not quick dialogue or, or anything like that. It's It's the... It's the underlying premise and the, the suspense and the mystery that are right that are there. Right. And she's explain, exploring that. Here, exactly. So. Uh, having these two actors, Dan O'Herlihy and uh, Piper Laurie, play off each other in this way, yeah. it, it works. It's, it feels it's much nice. more natural, yeah, yeah. And, and in keeping with their characters as well. Yeah. Um, so then, yeah, we go back to the, the sheriff's station. The sheriff's station. Um, and Truman's looking over some files of yes. Cousin Jonathan. Right. Who I will continue to call Cousin Jonathan, even though his name is... Mr. Lee? No, well, he's... Oh, yeah, his name's Kumagai. Kumagai, yeah, yeah he's yeah, actually yeah. Japanese. Um, yeah. And then uh, he's just kind of looking it over. Um, and then, and then Hank, Hank comes, comes in, in on, on crutches. crutches. Yeah. <laughs> so he's been released from the hospital. So we were confused because in previous episodes, I thought it, they had said that he had been arrested in the hospital. Yeah, But maybe they so were well. waiting for him to come out of the hospital to arrest him. I'm not sure what was going on there, yeah. but he he waltzes in there pretty confident, even though he knows that he's broken his parole. Yeah, conditions. and he, he says as much. He's like, oh, yeah. "I broke parole, big deal. What, what what's the deal?" Yeah. Um, and then Truman's like, "No, you're going away forever." Yeah, because you tried to murder Leo. Yeah, and and Hank has a really great. Uh, it's it's a it's a really great line, and and I think um, it's played really well too, that. Like, Hank is on the top of his game, yeah. even though he's at the bottom of yeah. his luck. Yeah. All about information leading to the arrest and conviction of Andrew Packard's murderer, Hank Jennings, witness for the prosecution. No deal. It's the snap. It's the snap, it's snap that, that really, really gets it. Because it, yes, it's, it's, it's kind of... It's uh, very, yeah. It's Hank. It's Hank. Right? He's punctuated by loud noises. You're that's, right. You've brought that up in many the past, times, right? That's, so. The actor does a great job of, of getting that across. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and but Hanks or uh, sorry, Sheriff Truman says nope, no way, yeah, not falling for it. And then uh, Hank Hulk. steps up his game. Yes. No, Hank steps up his game uh, first and threatens him like, yes, that's well, right. Well, what about uh, Andrew Packard? I'll testify in that case that Josie yeah. killed him essentially, and that you're sleeping with, and her. that you're sleeping with her. And he and he threatens him right away like, what are your constituents going to say when yeah. when they find out that you're sleeping with uh, the woman who murdered one of the this town, town patriarch? Yeah, exactly. And that's when yeah, Hawk. Hawk Hawk has been there the whole time, yeah. but he, but he kicks out the crutch from from out from under Hank, <laughs> yeah. and Blast, Hank kind yeah. of falls on the desk and. Um, and but Truman, Truman just bellows. Oh just yeah, get him, get out. him out of here! Yeah. And it's this is where uh, Sheriff Truman has been kind of headed for the last few episodes, where mm-hmm. you know things are really coming to a head, and he knows, and we're going to see in the in upcoming scenes that um, that Albert and Cooper are narrowing in their focus on Josie. So, and, and Truman knows that they know, but he's in denial. And I think things are, he's he's simmering. He's so close to blowing up. A lot of stuff happens to him in this episode that does eventually push him over the edge, as we'll see in upcoming episodes. But anyway, yeah. um, it's really played really well by Michael well, Longkin. Yeah, he, no, he, he does, does a great, great job, job yeah. um, kind of keeping him. Well, he looks like a man who's, who's really running out of, out of patience, but yeah. at the same time, still loves this woman. Of course, and, and wants, wants to, to believe, her. and yeah. yeah, exactly. So yeah, so um, in the next room, we have uh, Albert showing uh, Cooper the evidence, the evidence about, of the bullets that match. Yes, yeah, so um, the one who shot uh, Kumagai, is that his name? Yeah, Jonathan, Mr. Jonathan, Lee Mr. Lee, whatever. whatever his real name is. Uh, 
the the one who shot him is also the one who shot Cooper, and it's yeah. obviously Josie. Yeah, exactly. Because um, they're matching up. Remember, we had the the Vicuna coat fibers, and we had the gunpowder gun residue. residue. Yeah. Exactly. So there's to match. everything matched up. Um, and, and Albert returns very again true to form. We've got this this great um, sarcastic, quippy moment for him. I appreciate any reluctance you might have for busting your pals, old lady, but the woman ventilated you and left you for dead. I don't take it personally. Um, and then Cooper's response is also great. And yeah, he, I wasn't he, offended that she tried to kill she me. She tried to kill me. It's, Which it's is, quite it's, something. Yeah, yeah. But, um, but he wants, I think he still wants time to figure this out, right? Like yeah, he, he, he wants he, to... He's trying to protect Truman. Exactly. He's trying to protect Josie. So yeah. he says, I'll talk to her. Yeah. Maybe she'll confess and come in peacefully. Don't right. It doesn't have to be hard on Truman or anything. Yeah. Um, and Albert's response is also great that maybe she'll join the circus too. Yeah, you know? exactly. Just kind of yeah. throws that out there that yeah. it's more likely that she'll join the circus at this yeah. point. Um, yeah, and that's a, another scene. And then Albert's or Cooper goes off to do that presumably. Uh, yeah, I think that's so. the next time we see him. Yeah. Um, but before that, we we go to the uh, Great Northern Hotel and uh, finally find out what it is that Audrey's been doing for the last few episodes. She's been um, we've just been seeing her in various hotel type capacities Mm -hmm. but she says that she's she's trying to learn the business one week at a time one week in each department seems like one day in each department because she's been all over the place yeah Yeah, exactly um but she is on the the concierge desk or the front desk so um and someone rolls up yeah well first she gets a letter yes she does get a letter first off Um, so while she's kind of fiddling with her name tag and she seems kind of flustered, she had a kind of a run in with the, the actual concierge. She resents her yeah, presence she's there. The job, yeah. Um, so she's kind of flustered and she's, she's very short tempered with this handsome stranger who walks up to her desk. Um, Aiden just rolled his eyes. Yes. Uh, that wasn't audible. <laughs> well, this is not being videotaped. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, uh, and it, it's, it's John Justice Wheeler. JJW. Jack to his friends. Jack to his... That's, <laughs> oh, man. Anyway. We'll get there. Um, uh, yeah. yeah. He, he rolls up and... And he looks just like he does in Titanic. Um, but, but but his... He recognizes Audrey. Yeah, right away. She does not recognize him, but he recognizes her. And he gives her the creepiest oh my God, pickup, pickup line. Stuff. I have a picture of you. You're wearing a little dirty skirt. you got a white apron on. You have pigtails. It's unbelievably cute. And it's it is genuinely creepy because he's talking about her as a little girl. Yes, but here's dressed thing. up as Heidi. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> in a dirndl. Yeah, it is odd. Um, but Audrey's into it, and that's kind of a problem for me and Audrey's character because Audrey was attracted to Cooper up to this point, right? Um, who because of was his character and because of his yeah, and and okay, the the one thing that I will buy is that um, you know at the very start. Uh, he, she calls him a Rockefeller, that he's wealthy. And yeah. he's like, oh, it's my jet. It's the only one at the airport. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so he, he comes across as maybe a little worldly and, and sure. experienced and stuff. And I think that possibly was what Audrey was attracted to with Cooper. So yes. I will buy that much that yes. as uh, John Justice Wheeler, uh, international man of mystery, I think <laughs> yeah. she'll she'll perhaps be attracted to that uh-huh. right away. But not with this come on. Like, that's just yeah, it's like too much. Yeah, like hitting like, on her. Okay, so... Um, and not being clear about it, like, oh no, we've met. Yeah, many I knew years you ago. when you were I knew a girl. You were a little girl. I'm sorry you don't remember me. No, but he's like, I have a picture of you. I'm like, right no, into it. whoa, no, okay. No. As a little girl, mm, pigtails. Yeah, like, it's very whoa, strange. And okay. it, and and all I could think about in 
retrospect, after watching this ep- this episode and these arcs so many times, it's so it seems so obvious to me anyway that this is just the writers taking the piss out of the whole like Audrey and Cooper couldn't be together because there was this huge age gap. Well, you thought that was bad. Take a look at this, and we're actually gonna go for it this time. This guy's gonna walk in and he's gonna say, I knew you when you were a little girl. Now let's and, do it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I just feel like that is so I it just rubs me the wrong way for well, first of all, because you love Audrey Cooper and Cooper should be together. But aside from that, it's just a really inappropriate thing to say to someone. Yeah. yeah. I also question why Audrey doesn't remember him. Yeah, because same. Like, you know, I don't know yet? how old like, I don't know how old he is, but well, I would imagine like he seems like Cooper's age. So yeah, maybe ten years older than her. Right, twelve at the most. But he's he's worldly enough to have had this business, and he's successful, and he's worked with her father in the past. Yeah. So he must be, uh, you know, of a certain age older than her. If he knows her father, she would have presumably met him. Yeah. He probably hasn't changed well, too much. She, if he took a picture of her, well, yeah, I think mean, she would know so who he was. So why doesn't she remember who, who yeah, he is? Yeah, that's the real it's question, weird. yeah. And, and, it and just, it's, yeah, it's so asymmetrical that yeah, it does. he remembers and it's, it that. Yeah, it sets up their relationship in a really lopsided, um, yeah. like if you want to talk about lopsided power dynamics, <laughs> there, there it is, right? Oh, yeah, right? no, and, and this um, is played out in this episode even the way she kind of like yeah. tries to reject him but she's obviously into him it falls into that very cliche thing of like oh well I like you so I'm going to push you away yeah it's a very soap opera thing it is, it is. yeah extremely and, yeah but it is just upsetting to watch it is yeah you, you're just wondering why she's pursuing this given what he's presented so far and the fact that she doesn't remember him yeah doesn't, doesn't aid in that in any way it, Plus, it doesn't make it feel he's any a better. friend of her father's yeah. so well, you would think, I mean, she even says, my father doesn't have many friends. Yeah. Yeah. So she doesn't think, still doesn't think too highly of, of yeah. her dad. Yeah. That would be the, the biggest warning sign for me. Yeah. Okay. And be like, you're a friend of Ben Horns? Well, stay away, away from, from me. me. <laughs> well, I mean, she's going to have to make friends with his friends. Right? I guess. If she's going to take over the business. Sure. But, yeah. but she doesn't have to sleep with them. Probably not. Anyway. Uh, finally, she returns to the letter. Uh, yes. And opens it very theatrically to find the poem mm-hmm. um, and with the note to go to the roadhouse at night. Yes, to save the gathering the one of angels. Loves. Yes. Yeah, so... Yeah. And that's it. That's the end of first scene. We yeah. go to uh, Ed's... The Hurley's uh, The Hurley house. The Hurley house? Uh, the Hurley house. It that is. sounds fun. The Hurley house. The Hurley house. It sounds like a ride at the... It's a great like a, time at the Hurley like house. Like the fun house, the, yeah. the carnival. You go to yeah. the Hurley house. Yeah, you hurl stuff at the Hurley house. Yeah. Yeah. The hurl, hurl a lot at the Hurley house. <laughs> Hurlaton. Anyways, <laughs> Ed's cleaning up. Yeah. And Nadine arrives home early from school. Yeah. And she threatens him with a talk, which I He's thought was cleaning kind of cute. her her little figurines though, which is really cute. I thought that was her figurines. She has all those figurines that are on the shelf. And, and what all, are they of? Well, they're all different characters with one eye or with patches over their eyes. Oh, I never noticed that. Oh. That's so cool. Okay. Yeah. So I think he's he's just cleaning them and rearranging them, which I think is is kind of sweet. It's yeah. it's like. What's well, Ed? It's a nice little role reversal. I think Ed doesn't complain that he's at home cleaning while his wife is out at school. No. Whereas no, that's the, what I'm saying. It's Ed. Yeah, it's he's Ed. Just, he's, he's just such a solid sweet, guy. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, but anyway, yeah, she comes home and threatens him with a talk. Yeah. Yeah, and says um, that she and Mike have fallen in love yep. on the wrestling trip. <laughs> I hope you're not hurt. I wouldn't want to hurt you for anything in the world. Honest, you have to believe that. But Mike and I, 
on that wrestling trip. We had the most magical night together. All night. Well, you and Norma did it. Well, that's fair. Um, but they yeah, break up. They, they break do break up. up. And that's... Uh, and she's very apologetic about she it. She is. Um, and it's interesting because they've been basically not an item for a very a couple of episodes now. Basically, since she went back to school and found Mike, yeah. she's kind of been distant from Ed yeah. anyways. And obviously, Ed's gone off. and With Norma. With Norma. So but, it's not like they were there. But it, it is kind of touching because she, even in her altered mental state, state I would yeah. say... Uh, she still has those those feelings for Ed, exactly. and, and she still recognizes that he's important to her. Um, and yeah, it's kind of sweet in a in an odd little way. Um, and but yeah, I, so my my note here is this is a very weird situation. We should analyze it realistically. Like this is an <laughs> as is a forty year old woman yes. with her forty year old husband who's dating an eighteen year old boy yes. <laughs> and, and breaking up with her husband. To date this young man. Which, again, um, it's just while, another instance of, of, you know, what did Pete call it earlier? A January, December yeah, kind yeah. of thing? Well, not just that, but the whole time she's suffering from not just her regular mental exactly. illness, which we think she very clearly has in the early episodes of Twin Peaks. But now Depression she has, or something. Yeah, whatever it is. Um, she also has this little, like, brain damage that's caused her to lose all her memory and think she's 18 years old. So this, this kind of undercurrents of it being like oh it's a sweet little moment is really offset by all those factors um and i this is one of the better twin peaks moments in this episode for me because somehow it does both it's like yeah this is a really messed up situation yet i still feel like oh nadine's a, a little bit of a sweetheart for trying to break up with ed really gently you know yeah, so, yeah yeah i like it yeah in spite of itself oh it's good um so we jump to the blue pine launch and this is cooper um ran apparently over right from the sheriff's station to go talk to Josie. Yeah. And, uh, and and so he's basically interrogating Josie about what happened in Seattle. Exactly. And with, uh, he doesn't tell her that he knows that she shot him. Basically she does. But well, I he think, says that he can arrest her anytime yes, he wants. exactly. But I think he's hinting that this is because of what happened to to Jonathan is yeah. why he's... Yeah, not not for anything else. No, exactly. So, not for... But uh, but you yeah. but you must think she knows that he knows that oh yeah no she shot yeah, him. yeah yeah okay of course but um, um and Catherine's listening in the she whole time. is yes and she's just gleeful she's of course so happy. she is because this is this is Josie everything that could possibly go wrong goes wrong to Josie in this episode and yeah. everything comes to a head that's been coming to a head since you know the mill plotline that never ends uh, was set into motion yeah. um but she she sends Cooper away and and he's very clear that this is not going to end well like you have to I want to see you at the station house by nine o'clock yeah. or I'm gonna come and find you so this is her last chance like he's given her all this opportunity to uh, or all these opportunities to um, to make amends and to come clean mm-hmm. um, and do we know if she's gonna do it? Like it's it's really unclear well, what she's gonna do. Not really. She's she's Josie. I mean, Josie just lies and exactly. and runs away from her problems. Yeah. Every time, um, and when she's forced to confront things, she does bad. She things. does bad things. Yeah. She doesn't make <laughs> she good just decisions. She digs the hole deeper. Yeah. So this so, is what this is what Catherine's counting on when Catherine comes in. Yeah. And she re-enters and she basically says, "Oh well, you have to talk to Mr. Ecker. You have yeah. to see him." Um, and but and she yeah Josie is terrified she doesn't want to have anything to do with this guy which I mean we knew that he was a bad guy he made her do bad things he represents something really 
awful in her life. Um, and her fear in this, that's, Josie is afraid. (laughs) This whole episode, it's just Josie being afraid. Um, And being manipulated into that fear, though. Absolutely. Catherine digs it even deeper by saying that, well, Eckert's not going to be happy that Andrew survived. As soon as he finds out that Andrew's alive... You're gonna. He's gonna be really mad at you. Yeah, exactly. And then that's when she takes a book away and reveals that there's a gun hidden in the bookcase. And Josie goes and grabs it, and her relief is visible. Well, yeah. and before that, there is an important line that she says, like, "I think I'm going crazy at one yes. point because she's so stressed. Like the thought of confronting Eckert is so terrifying to her that yeah, it's literally making her go crazy. Yeah, um, and well, not literally go crazy, but she's 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 she struggling. Like she's, yeah, and she's. Yeah. It's probably just like a severe anxiety and fear, which is probably very uh, understandable considering what he probably did to her. Um, but yeah, it's it's and the the fact that she's so physically relieved when she has the gun, she has right. finally has a form of defense against Eckert. Yeah. Um, and Catherine's just put this in motion, and to me, it's kind of weak on Josie's part because Josie's been pretty calculating up to this point. I mean, sure. granted, since she came back and became a maid, she hasn't had much agency. Yeah. Um, and once she lost it, she doesn't seem to be able to recover it. Yeah. Um, but usually, she, season one, Josie, and everything up to the, when she finishes the deal with uh, Ben Horn, yeah, is very, very in control and mm-hmm. very, very planning and meticulous. Here, she doesn't even question why Catherine's giving her the gun. Well, and that's like, that's why I think um, the the fear that Eckhart represents is so strong that it makes her. Yeah. And this is this is why, um, like. John Thorne writes in, in um, the Essential Wrapped in Plastic that uh, that Josie's fear is is the central, you yeah. know, the theme for her yeah. in this episode. It's it's what, and it's been kind of the theme of this whole season. It's it yeah, started the season not just for her, but we've we've been focusing on Cooper's fear and mm-hmm. Cooper keeping the fear from his mind, and and that's what the season opened with is that you know everything is okay as long as you can keep the fear from your mind. It's yeah. not so bad, right? Yeah. So. While we've been looking at Cooper's fear, Josie's fear has come to the fore. Yes. And now we're really focused on her fear in this episode, which is, you know, eventually what leads to her her death, yeah. right? Yeah. So, um, which we'll talk about it when we get there, but um, but it is interesting that I think it starts here with her fear. Manip- her fear manipulates her. Catherine manipulates her fear. Yeah. Right. So. Um, yeah, it's 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 just a comment I think on the fact that how our emotions can influence our better better angels, I guess, you yeah, know. Yeah, no, it's true. I mean, yeah, she, Josie's just totally wiped out in this. Absolutely. This episode, so, yeah. yeah. Um So, so the, yes, we we go to the Great Northern. Yeah, we go back to the hotel and we see Ben. So Ben uh fresh out of his yes. civil war Yes, has changed attire once again. <laughs> yes, so he's in a Fila tracksuit, <laughs> yes. eating celery. Oh man, he is so nice. It is. 90s it is. Power, yes. Power broker, yes, yeah. exactly. Which I love. Yeah, it's so great. Um, but he's. This is where we find out that uh, that John Jim. Justice Wheeler is being has been brought in by Ben to deal with this new business venture that Ben has, which well, is to, to less a business, business venture, but it, well, yeah, okay, so but. Ben's basically bringing him in to save the business because yes. uh, John just really walks in. They 
they hug and embrace and uh audrey says oh yes we met and gives him kind of the cold eye and everything um and then everyone takes the seat on the couch and ben goes into explaining well you know horn industries is not doing so great right uh lost the mill lost ghostwood uh you know everything everything is going to shit yeah so he's and he's saying well we're gonna we're gonna recover and john justice wheeler is an excellent candidate for that uh to help them with to help them with that yes and then he says how we're gonna recover is by Saving the pine weasel. <laughs> That's right. So so I love that, um, I, I think in previous episodes we might have said, I think the last episode we may have said that this was, that that was Jerry Horn's last appearance. Yeah. This is Jerry Horn's yeah, last Jerry appearance. Yeah, Jerry is here. And he is, yeah, so he's in this scene and I love that he, he's like, yeah, that's brilliant. We're going to, we're going to, you know, have Ghostwood National Forest declared an environmental protected site. Yeah. And the pine weasel is an endangered animal or whatever. And then when Catherine's business interests have been wiped out, we'll swoop, swoop in, in and take yeah, it away. Yeah. So he's still thinking like Jerry Horn yeah, does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, right? like old Ben would have. Exactly. Yeah. But, but Ben's ben is, honest about it. Yeah, yeah he's, he's he's taking a different that corner, tack. Yeah, he's the season so two Ben now, officially. I'm not 100% convinced that it's genuine, but I have... Yeah, yeah. It's, it's not clear, but it's here it seems to be presented that way, at least. Yeah, exactly. Um, and... Yeah, and it, uh, he has a great little speech about what is the greatest gift one human can give to another? The future. And his future is the little pine weasel. Yeah, exactly. Um, Which Jerry <laughs> loves uh, roasted. roasted. He says that they taste great roasted. Incredible roasted. Which is, I think that might be Jerry's last line, and it is the best. It is. It is another great Jerry line. Because so. it's just a reminder of, of all the things. Jerry Horn would be a foodie today. He would be running a food blog. Mm-hmm. Uh, he'd have a column in the post-intelligencer or something it would be you know he'd be traveling the world going to michelin star restaurants well he'd be doing what vivian does exactly yeah they should oh they'd be a power couple i'd like to see hashtag twin Peaks season three there it is anyway um uh but ben finishes off by saying that when he's all done with this he's going to make a run for the senate and and it's just yeah, it's a, it's a, a season fun, three plot. Line yeah, almost. well, yeah, exactly. That was something that you that you brought up when when it happened. Yeah, as soon as you said like, that, I'm like, oh, yes, it yeah. has to happen for season. That would be good. That would be good. I guess. <laughs> um, yeah, and yeah, it is. It's an interesting scene. The other thing that's going on, is, of course, is Audrey is yes. trying to cold shoulder. Um, well, John not really, because she's they're looking yes. at each other. Yeah, they're doing and the, they're, sta- the little yeah. glances and stolen glances and everything. It's again, I don't really like it. I. I feel like if that's the way you're going to develop that relationship, it has none of the appeal of any of the other relationships. No, of course not. Peaks. It is very it's formulaic. This is, it is. This yeah. is, and for no good reason, really. No, there's no there's, need for this. No, of course not. It's even worse than Bobby and Audrey because yeah. there that at least, Bobby least... was like, yeah, he's a typical teenage guy. He's going to go after whoever's available. Sure. And Audrey's playing with him. Yeah. I could see that. Exactly. That, that was unnecessary but believable this doesn't seem believable even like no audrey is not that type if she wants something she gets what she wants she doesn't play hard to get Mm -mm. she goes and gets it so again they audrey's character in this season is just yeah it seems this is just another instance of it kind of off track but yeah um speaking of shoehorned relationships we jump to the double r and we get uh the first uh hint of Annie Blackburn's character, who's not named in this. Well, no, I think Annie. I think Annie is named, but yeah. we don't. Uh, we know that she's Norma's sister, and that she's coming from a convent, and she cries on the phone. So something either 
Something's she's, upsetting. Yeah, she's upset either about having to leave or upset about having to come home. Yes. Or overwhelmed with joy at being yeah, able to see to Norma. It's, it is hard to tell. Um, but Shelly basically, uh, Shelly's there. First of all, Shelly gets a letter from... Yes, uh, she, a customer. A customer. But we, we, we know, know it's Windermere in a terrible trucker hat. Yeah. Uh, drops it off after he leaves, uh, pays his bill. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so Shelly asks like, oh, you're... Is your sister coming over? And Norma says yes. Yeah. And then Norma gives a very interesting description of she her does. sister. She does. Yeah. You know, when she was little, I always used to think that Annie was from another place and time. I guess the comment's been good for her in a way. Hard to imagine her out in the world. And then, and it, it's interesting because Annie really does come out of nowhere. She does. <laughs> First of all, there's a huge age gap. Uh, yeah. Between the two of them, uh, Norma's 38, we presume, or something like that. Heather Graham, I think, at the time was, was about like 20. 20, yeah. 21, maybe. And um, the fact that they... Okay, they don't share the same last name. Right. Fine, but Vivian earlier had not mentioned anything about Another his sister. Daughter. That that seems... It feels like Annie literally... Yeah, liter- Annie literally comes out of nowhere. They just tied her into a character, and basically that's what Norma's hinting at here. It's yeah, like, she, well, she's really from another place and another, another time. time. Yeah, she it's, doesn't fit. She's not. And that is, that is a really interesting line in relation to some of the theories that have come out around about Annie. About Annie since. So, which, yeah, we'll be able to talk about in more depth. But but it is notable and uh, and, Yeah, and, and you tell her how, how purposeful that is or if it was yeah. literally just a way to set up Annie's character is saying, well, she's a little different. Yeah, right. And just prefacing that. But that, that could be enough just to say she came from a convent that would have been enough yeah right you didn't have to have that line so I think you know I, here we are approaching this as writers why would you write that line unless it was to signal something you know else about the character yeah something else or about the plot line that she's about to be embroiled in or or whatever yeah. so it it does strike us both as yeah as just noteworthy I think yeah so yeah. Um, keep it in mind for a future episode yeah uh, and then Ed walks in yeah. And he is determined. Oh, and yeah. He... Well, I had forgotten that this happened. So when he walks in and he kind of looks mad or, or well, yeah. upset. No, he's just, he's He's, he's just focused. determined. He is, he's going to get his girl. In. His he, woman. His woman. And he, he dips he just, her. Yeah, he lifts up the, the countertop yeah. and walks behind the counter. This Grabbed. is Norma's domain, yes. first of all. But not anymore. No. Because it's Ed's now, too, because they're going to get hitched. So he walks in and he, I love... I mean, it's really awkward, but he, he literally dips her and, like, her head's just craned yeah. back and looking up at him. It's like really, a 1940s, yeah, you know. Yeah. And he basically, like, I loved you forever and let's get married. Or, yeah. And she says, oh, yes. Or, I think. <laughs> I don't even remember. I, it's a happy thing. I'm just, yeah. yeah. And Shelly's watching and smiling and then yeah. she just kind of skitters away. Um, but, yeah, it's it's cute, but also kind Again, of Again, kind of, yeah, it underscores just how weird that whole yeah. situation is. Yes. but. It does seem kind of like, okay, as much as I like the idea of, of Ed and Norma um, finally getting what they want and, and getting each other mm-hmm. after all this time, um, it does seem like they're kind of taking advantage of the situation. Like, Yeah, they haven't really addressed what they're going to do with the The elephant afterwards. in the room. Yes. The super strength, strength. superhuman elephant, elephant in the room. Yeah. Um, which is, yeah, kind of... Yeah, just not... Unsettling. Yeah, it is still, even to this, yeah, to this point. Uh, so then we go speaking to... Speaking of unsettling. Yes. The cabin. Yes, Leo is there sharpening... Whittling? Oh, is he well, sharpening something? I don't know, maybe whittling is a better term, but he has a knife in any case. Yeah. Which I thought was interesting because, I mean, basically he's a captive of Windermere. Yeah. You wouldn't usually give a captive 
a sharp Well, thing but that he's you can also shock colored. So yeah, okay, I mean... sure, but I mean it doesn't take much for a <laughs> Oh, of course. I've been watching Game of Thrones. It doesn't take much to kill someone with a knife, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Leo could do some damage, but, but I mean, Leo was recovering. You know, yeah. he had he has traumatic brain, brain injuries. Yeah, so, so. Um, and Earl's kind of like threatening him, even as Leo has a knife, which I think is interesting. Um, and then, yeah, he gives the the stick that he's sharpened or whatever to uh, Earl, who attaches an arrowhead. And Leo has this great look, like, oh yes, an arrowhead. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. It's so dangerous. Like he's so happy. Still, it's, Leo. Yeah, you know? it's very strange to see. Um, how this is played because he seems almost like possessed himself. Leo does? Yeah, like he doesn't seem... It is odd. Their relationship is really weird because, I mean, Earl is torturing him basically the whole time he's with him. Right. And yet he seems, and yet Earl's gone half the time, so right. Luke could leave. But I think this is like, this is what we talked about previously with um, the link between Leo and nature, yes. and Leo in the woods. Oh yeah, yeah. And it's Leo there, so. and and the lodges or something like yeah. there's. I think there's something more going on there with him. I think that there's something tying him to Wyndham Earl more than just Wyndham Earl's threats. Yeah. And I think I don't even think Wyndham Earl knows necessarily no what leo's role is or or what how little control maybe he has over the situation because i think i think it is something um supernatural that's keeping leo there yeah and infusing him with this yeah persona almost yeah but anyway yeah no it it is it's a interesting little scene and then that's it yeah that's the whole yeah basically yeah again i don't know why that's there (laughs) because do they oh yeah they do use never mind yeah uh, so then we go back to the sheriff's station. Yes. So Norma, Norma Norma goes to see Hank, who has been arrested and is now awaiting trial, awaiting yeah, he's bail hearing. Who knows? I don't know how it works. Um, Never been arrested in the states. Yeah. Uh, Hank seems relieved that Norma's there, and he puts on the charm, and she's upset, and he's like, "I understand that," and she uh, wants a divorce, and he, he understands, understands that, that yeah. and and he it's it's. It's the manipulation that Hank is so good at. Yeah, saying like, "Oh well, you know, I know, I know, I have problems. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to go into therapy. I, I will, I will do whatever it takes to get better." It's so manipulative. It's so abusive because yes. he's like, "I don't know why I'm so self-destructive," yeah. you know. And it's yeah, like it's he's just, playing on her emotions. But yeah. she finally, finally, after all these episodes, she stands up to him and she says, "No, like I'm done." Yes, yeah, it's very interesting, Hank. But I have to get on with my life. Yeah. And I'm like, yes, finally, Norma, yes. you've got it. Gruesome ponies. Yes. And and so Hank, his final thing is like, okay, I understand. I'll give you the divorce. It's all fine. I just need you to tell the police that I was I was at home. That or I, I was on my way home. Uh, well, or no, he, he claims he was on his oh, way right, home. Oh, right, right, right. To Norma, yes. but she, he's, saying, he's asking her to say that she, he was actually at home that night. Yeah. Uh, so the he night that shot Leo, Leo was shot. Yeah, he couldn't have yeah. shot Leo or started the fire. Probably could have pinned that on him at this point, too. Right. Um, and says, and she says, no, I'm not lying for you anymore. Yeah. And it's great. It's just, no it nice. is finally sticking up for herself. Yeah. And it's so, fulfilling. but then, but then Hank shows a side of him that he's a side of himself that he's never shown normal on screen. Anyway, we don't know what yeah. goes on behind the Probably scenes. Probably she's seen it before. I'm though, sure. Yeah. But he kind of like reaches to the bars and he grabs her. And well, first he says, you're killing, like he lays on the yeah, guilty. Yeah. Uh, like, you're exactly. literally killing me here. Yeah. If I go back to prison, they're going to kill gonna me. I'm going to die. And yeah. she is so unsympathetic towards him for good reason because she's given him more than he calls us uh, his second chance. But I have a feeling this is his forty second yeah. chance. Yeah. Um, and she and and he gets so upset because he feels like he knows about Ed. Yeah. Um, and he finally lays it on her that 
you're going to go and be his whore. And then she has the great line, which I thought was interesting because um, it is the same line that is in Titanic. Yes. When, that uh, and John Rose says to John Justice uh, Wheeler. Whatever his name He's is. playing the same character. Kind of. He's what a bit, is he's a bit his name? Dick. Cal. Cal. His name is Cal. Okay. But anyway, yeah. John Justice Wheeler on the Titanic. Yeah. Um, which I, I just thought was interesting. Yeah, Billy no, but, Zane shows up in this episode yeah, for the first time, yeah. and then this line makes an appearance six years later in... To his face. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, anyway, it's a great line. I'd rather be his whore than your wife. Yeah. Um, because it, it does say something about how how awful it must be to be married to Hank Jennings. Yes. So... Uh, so there we get it. So there, the yeah, and, of, then, and that's the end. That of is the end of Hank. Hank's story. He does not uh, come there. back, which is so him and Jerry are both gone. Kind which of is sad. sad. I mean, I like Chris Mulkey as a character. Yes. I like Hank as a character. I like Chris Mulkey as an actor. Yes, and, and him, I like him playing Hank is great. Yes, he's, he's a great character. He has that nuance of being the, the manipulative little bastard that mm-hmm. he is, and he plays it so well. Um, and but same with least, Jerry now. Like we lose three characters this episode, yeah. really. Yeah, four. Eckert also. Yeah, that's right. So there's. But Eckert, you know, he's. Yeah, he's not a major one, but. But I mean, these are these are characters who played significant roles in significant plots in previous episodes, and um, two of them, uh, David Patrick Kelly and uh, Chris Mulkey, both colored the scenes that they were in so So well. Well, they took them over. We're gonna miss that, but but I feel like I mean with with um, Uncle Jerry. I don't know if they they could have they probably could have found something for him to do in, in later episodes. He never really no. he could have come back to do something and had a few yeah. good he lines. Could have saved the pine weasel. But I feel like them. Hank ran, they ran out of things for him to do, so they just said we're done. Yeah. We're we're gonna be done with this. Well, character. I mean, they kind of pinned him into a corner logistically too by having him be arrested. He's gonna, yeah, now he's gonna go to jail. And I mean, he could have cut. I guess they could have had him cut the deal with um, with Truman to sure. say, okay, yes, you know what, we'll give you. We'll give cut it down to a year. They bring him back in late season three, a year right. later, or, or something like or that. Or they have him break out of jail and yeah. take revenge on Ed and Norma or something. Yeah, like yeah, that. I yeah. could see that happening. Yeah. But, There's stuff there. But they yeah. let it go, and I respect that. And and yeah, yeah. And it feels good because you know he is a dick. Of course, yeah. <laughs> you so know? you do, and you do want to see him get his comeuppance. Yeah. Yeah. So, so and he it does. works out well. Uh, yeah, so, okay, now we're at the the, uh, the sheriff's station again. We just head upstairs, and Pete is there with Cooper and uh, uh, Sheriff Truman. Yeah. Which is interesting to me because um, Pete was at the Blue Pine Lodge. Cooper went to the Blue Pine Lodge yep. to see didn't Josie. Talk there. Nope. They didn't meet each other on the way. Nope. No, they didn't. Uh, they didn't discuss the chess move there. No, nope. they so, went all the way back to the sheriff station. Yeah. So it, yeah. Again, we don't think of that stuff. Uh, I just think. I just think it's. It's. You know, if we're gonna. If we're gonna. You know, it's wibbly wobbly, timey wimey yes, stuff. Yes. There, in there Twin are Peaks. elements of Doctor Who in all television series. It's just it's disorienting. We talked about this in my, very early on in season one. At this one. point, yes. In season one, it is disorienting for Here, purpose. Here, it's, it's just, just like, this oh, is well, Peaks. yeah, we, well, you, no, it's lazy writing, frankly. Oh, well, <laughs> like, yeah, okay, yeah. Things are just it happening, and it's like, oh, well, now let's set it here because we need Truman back in the scene for some reason, which you don't actually need. Um, well, we kind of do. Anyways, yeah. so they discuss the chess move. Uh, they're kind of pressing Pete for time. He's describing, of course, he wants to go into his his history of all these different chess moves that yeah. he could do. Um, but they're up against this deadline because yes. the, the Gazette is holding the, the personals yeah. uh, ads so that they can put the, the yes. next move in. And Truman raises the point, well, won't Earl kill anyways? And yeah. Cooper describes this great 
thing with. Earl has a perverse sense of honor about these things. I've never heard of a man who murdered by the rules. Um, and then Albert arrives. Right. Uh, and he pulls Cooper aside and, and confirms everything. He says, absolutely, Josie pulled the trigger. Mm-hmm. Um, Cooper says he'll handle it. Um, but then Harry can't because Harry steps out and he's overheard them and he trundles off to go find Josie. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to bring up just the to come back to the chess move briefly. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, coming back to John Thorne's book, uh, the move that, that Pete makes... He claims will give Wyndham Earl a lot of sleepless nights. Yeah, and nobody will be killed for three or four moves. Yeah, or four or five, I thought he said. Oh, okay, yeah. But either way, um, what Thorne writes in, in his book is that, uh, according to experts, this move is not the best response to Earl's capture of the Black Pawn, and it shows that Pete is nowhere near the expert player he is supposed to be. It also proves that the show's writers had not given proper attention to the importance of the game, relegating it instead to a convenient symbolic cliche around which to play the whole Cooper, Earl, White Lodge, Black Lodge conflict. And I think that that is pretty telling that, um, I mean, neither one of us are chess players. So we, and a lot of people have spent a lot of time, there are places you can go online to find out exactly which moves are made where um, I would never, me as a writer would never use chess as a metaphor because I don't know how to play it you would hope that somebody who's well, writing this would, would put the effort into figuring this well, out no. But no you could hire a consultant and just say course. I need a chess game exactly. that matches this and then plot out the moves but the and, fact that they didn't no, because, and that this is this is yeah. now notable is, is telling like did they just not care well no I mean as or, a writer yeah as a writer I wouldn't care I'm using it as a metaphor and yes it is cliche and it's not great but you know but that, I would want it to be accurate that's its literary purpose yeah so yeah, you're right. I would also want to do that. And if I had a studio budget, I would say, yes, yeah. pay someone $2,000 to tell us how this yeah. works uh, so that it's believable. Mm-hmm. But as a writer, I don't. that's not my highest priority, and I, I don't mind it. Interesting. Yeah. That's we have different, different approaches, I guess. Yeah, I know you consider you care a lot about research and everything, and to me, uh, it's secondary. You just to make shit up. I make shit up. and <laughs> This is why you write fantasy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's easier. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so anyways. But yeah, it was just, I just wanted to bring that up just because it's. Yeah, no, it is. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, yeah, I always wondered that. I'm like, I wonder what's going to happen on the chessboard, but not really because I knew. And it stops making, it was kind of a terrible conceit anyways to turn right. this into an actual chess game where, you know, people, people can die. Because very Harry Potter. It is. Yes, it is. It's <laughs> also. Harry Potter. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, this is a recurring thing. That yeah. Apparently the, wasn't chess originally played out by human actors in the, yes. in India when it was invented or right. something like that. The yeah. king would have people play That's the That's a West Wing reference that you're Yeah, reading. there you go. <laughs> well, it's also just real, I think. Yeah, I know. But, <laughs> but anyways, uh, no, I, and plus, it doesn't work because um, where the season goes, it's leading to a climax of the confrontation of the two kings, essentially, and right. one queen. Um, right. And so... It's almost it's very difficult to have a chess game where you're exposing your queen to yeah. that. So I feel like it was it was doomed as an as a metaphor. Plus there's the, plus there's the card metaphors that were brought in because of one eyed jacks and they're brought back with the um, the four queens that mm-hmm. uh, are potential victims, yeah. um, which are represented by the four suits. So you've got a lot of mixed metaphors yeah, happening in, yeah. in future episodes that really muddy things up a little Even bit. Even more, yeah. Um, it feels like it was something that they brought in because it seemed interesting and it linked up again with the white and black 
uh, Cooper Earl kind of dynamic, but um, but it loses a lot of steam. And finding yeah. out this after reading John's book was kind of um, disappointing, I guess, well, in a sense. Yes, for me it was disappointing just when we watched it. The yeah. first time I watched it, I'm like, yeah, they gave up on that metaphor. Yeah. They just, they, they phoned it in after that point and it stopped Well, it, and it feels, it feels like um, what we talked about in the last episode with uh, just so many, Diane Keaton using so many different shots of chess pieces. Yeah. Um, just kind of hammered at home that this too is much. yeah too much yeah. it was like it, it was we were beaten into submission by this metaphor and now it feels like it's just not interesting anymore mm-hmm. so um but anyway yeah yeah so sorry diatribe about uh chess aside uh we move back to josie yes she's back at the blue pine blue pine Mount lodge right yes and it's the same shot as the opening yes. uh her opening shots pilot pilot so um, she's back reapplying her makeup in the same mirror yeah we see um, the dogs the, the sculpture on the, mm-hmm. the side and then she turns around when she hears someone at her door um but this time it's uh it's andrew coming to visit her and they share a glass of well, champagne. Well, he offers her the yeah. champagne at least, yeah. And they, they what does he toast to? Endings and beginnings, which right. is interesting because that is the beginning and ending shot for yeah. Josie. Yeah. Well, not the end shot, but yeah, in the ending episode, right? Yeah. Um, and Josie kind of apologizes and... She seems to try and make amends a little bit. But, and but it's very hollow. And, and the the thing that I, uh, I liked about this was... Uh, well, he says, well, you never loved me. And right. you can see Josie's face contort into that thing. No, I really did have feelings mm-hmm. for you. And it's the same face that she gives to Truman. Yeah. A lot of the time. Right. So to me, that that's kind of a telling play by, by Joan Chen to say that this is her default thing. Either she's, either Josie Packard is also a great actress and can just turn on that, that same expression yep. and and sense of uh, emotional attachment that she when she does actually love someone like yeah. she does Truman and when she's faking it with someone like Andrew but to me I, I feel like that I mean that's a totally plausible reading because uh, Josie is this woman who plays all these right. roles she's a master um, manipulator and and that's and that's fine but it 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 then casts a shadow over her whole relationship with with Truman well it, yeah because if she falls so quickly and so easily as well, Andrew I, tells Thomas. No, but she didn't love Andrew. And she that's what I'm saying is she's very poorly trying to mask that here. Andrew sees right through it. No, you never love me. Well, I know that. But so But I, I I would argue that maybe she does love, but she doesn't she just when you love everything, when you fall in love so many times, like you know, it does. It's it loses its meaning because I see, what I don't I don't know. It's it's it comes back when when Andrew and Thomas are talking in the elevator and he talks about how she loses her heart often. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But I I think that, that scene has all other dynamics. Yeah. You're right. You're and right. I feel like Josie's not capable of loving anyone. I, I really do feel she had probably a terrible childhood. Sure. She described it, she was a prostitute. She had all these bad things happen to her as a, as a person. I mean, I don't know if she's emotionally developed enough. To be able to actually do that. I think yeah, she I plays think, people and I think she's great at reading people. And maybe and that's what them. she thinks love is. When you yeah. when you can when, when you, when can, you can make someone, someone do yeah. what do what you want them to do for you. That's love. That's love. So that yeah. that So maybe she did love Andrew in that right. way. Because she she manipulated him well. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, but either I way, that's possible, it's yeah. uh, he leaves, um, but exhorts her to go see Eckhart. And she Yeah, to seems, get her out of the country. Yeah. He seems uh, or she seems resigned to that fact. Yeah. Um, that she's gonna have to go. And she's see left. Him. She's left kind of sobbing and yeah, kind of a wreck. Yeah, yeah a she's, little bit. she's not in good shape. Ugh. Um. So Ugh. this seems like it's happening at night, but then the next shot uh, is middle Very of the daytime. day again, and it's uh, 
just in nature. That's all I have as yeah. a setting. It's, yeah. it's in o- nature. Outside. But it's nice nature. It's not the foreboding. Well, the first dark. shot is is kind of different. It, it feels more like uh, Pacific yeah. Northwest. Then they so it's James and Donna. Sorry. Yes. Yeah. James arrives on his bike and Donna's there to. They're having a picnic. They're gonna have a picnic again. Yeah. Anyways, uh, the second shot though, when they're actually going to the picnic, it's very clearly California skies sure. and, and right. warm and beautiful. But it, it, do, it doesn't feel like, you know, uh, other nature shots, which I think yeah. is kind of detrimental when you have a show that is so set in this foreboding kind of misty... Well, it's not the only time, though. Maddie, James, and Donna are the only of ones who ever had these kind of sunny outdoor shots. Yeah, exactly. You know? And and I think that that is um, uh, deliberate on yeah, the part Yeah, to show of, them young love. And yeah, exactly. It's supposed to be... And, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. supposed to be hopeful, I guess, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, yeah, they have this this picnic, and then then they talk about how they have different goals. Basically, James says, right. "I want to start over," and Donna says, "I want you to come home." There's no fucking conflict there. Yeah, like, exactly. They could easily he come home and start over again. But he it, says he can't. He can't, and that's it. No reason yeah. given. Just I can't, and then that's kind of it. So she sends she sends him away. Yeah. She says, "Well, then go." Like, and she's not angry. It's not mean. It's just like, it's it's. It's an acceptance that, like... It's an, yeah. as nice an end as you could expect or that you could uh, hope for for these two characters who have been through quite a lot in the last month. Yeah. Um, with Laura dying and then falling in love and then Maddie coming to town and Maddie and, and James falling in love and then Maddie well, dying. Well, Maddie and, and James then, didn't fall in love. Well, but, but they, they had something. They did, and Donna right? and James falling in love and then James and Evelyn falling in love. Yeah, and, and then J- James almost dying at yeah. the hands of Evelyn. And there was, so there's, yeah. and of course, there's a trial that's going to be going on. So oh, James yeah. is going to have to go back for that. But it seems like this is just, we're going to tie up all these loose ends. We're oh, going to no, send James yeah. away. This this feels like a soap opera write up. Oh, when you, absolutely. When you send someone out and it yeah. is. It is exactly like that. It is just as unnuanced and unbelievable as any soap opera write-out I've yeah. ever seen. Yeah. Uh, and it's, I mean, it's a merciful end to me. It is. This is James We're has been take him out abused. back and just shoot him in the head yeah. and yeah. just have it over and done But with. then he comes back as a zombie maybe in season two because <laughs> James Marshall is coming back and I really hope that he has some great stuff to work sure. with this time because... He got just run through the ringer in season yeah. two. It was it was painful to watch. So they both did. This this storyline yeah, story needed to end. Just, so yeah, yeah. and it does. Yeah, and then they but then they make out at the end. Yeah, after, just after they broke up. WTF. WTF. That's what I wrote down. So okay. Um, back at the Blue Pine, mm-hmm. it's nighttime. Truman shows up, uh, knocking at the door, uh, looking for Josie, yeah. and we get a nice little uh, another just perfect scene of of. Domestic. Catherine and Pete's domestic quote unquote bliss. Yeah. Catherine's just sitting there. What is she doing? I don't even know what she's, she's doing. She's reading, I think. Reading, uh, drinking her whatever. Yeah, yeah. Pete's got, uh, I think he's making a fishing lure. Something and he's like got that. like the board and he's got wire and, and they're just, he is covered in stuff. The door is just, someone's banging on the door. Catherine cannot be bothered <laughs> to get up. So Pete has to move all of his stuff, stuff off. Yeah. In order to answer the door, because that is the dynamic in their relationship, yeah. and I just love that. Yeah. I think it's just—it's exactly like the first scene. Yeah. Um, you just get—if you didn't know if this was the only thing you knew you saw about you Martells, their, you would understand their marriage yeah, exactly. entirely. Um, um, but it is Truman at the door, and he's looking for Josie. Yeah. And Pete says she left. He doesn't really give her much more, but Catherine is the one who jumps in and says, oh, she had a bunch of stuff with her, and she looked like she was going to be gone for a while, like giving way too much information, and Pete kind of seems annoyed 
with her about that. Well, yeah, because Pete knows exactly where she went. Exactly. And, and then, and, and Kat, this is what I was talking about earlier, is that Catherine does eventually relent and say she's going to see Eckhart. And it does seem like she wasn't, she was not going to give Truman that information. No, but she was, totally. She you was think just, so? She was waiting. She was just making a dramatic, oh, well, yes, she's going to see Eckhart. Because, I guess, you know, obviously, maybe. Josie's told Truman about Eckhart. I so. wanted to believe that she had a change of heart and maybe oh, no, he was... no, no, no. This whole sequence with Josie and Eckhart meeting well, in, sure. in the last scene... But maybe she was just trying to be up. nice to Truman because she no, likes Truman. No, Okay. No, no, she... No, absolutely not. <laughs> Catherine is... I beg to differ, but... Too, oh, well, you're wrong. Um, <laughs> yeah, because Truman storms off and, and Pete, yeah, yeah he, Pete does look pissed. And, I, yeah. and that's the thing. Like, I think Pete has a read on Catherine saying, like, you didn't have to do that. Yeah, but exactly. But Catherine wanted to. Yeah. She wanted to set him off angry there. Why isn't Truman more upset with Catherine over the way that she's treated Josie? Well, I mean, because she knows that Josie did betray her. I think, I think. Right. Plus, I mean, okay. But does Truman know the extent of that betrayal? Because yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. He he understands that Josie betrayed her. So he'd understand that Catherine is pissed at Josie. Right. But she like, you know, made yeah, her his like a maid. Ma- made her her maid. Yeah, and but Truman can't stop that from happening. No, that's I know, something but like Josie base- agreed to. Okay. I just, I wouldn't, I don't know. Well, and he did try to in previous episodes. He's like, no, come be with me instead. Don't. Day I guess, but Catherine. I was I I would have liked to see uh you know the sheriff and Piper Laurie have a showdown. Yeah, me too. Would I would love fun. to see that, but I don't think there's any reason for it. Well, anymore. okay. Yeah. Anyways, I disagree. But anyway, again, uh, we go back to the Great Northern, and Eckert walks into the elevator. And who's the operator? <laughs> Andrew Packer. <laughs> Which I thought was funny because uh, Eckert is uh, uh, this is. His floor, he wants to go down to the lobby. So has Andrew just been standing in the yeah, elevator waiting. waiting for yeah. a couple hours, just yeah. waiting for He's Eckert. just been doing this. He's like, yeah, this is my part-time job. I'm just going to operate the elevator. Because he's in hiding. Like, nobody, he says that... Yeah, nobody knows. Nobody knows he's around. There. He's alive yet. So um, it's not like he can, you know, sit in the the timber room and have a cup yeah, of coffee, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah. So he's got to stand a wrap, so... Yeah, he has just glasses on. He looks he looks a lot like uh, Michael Caine in... in uh, yes! In a, Austin The Spy Powers. Who Shagged Me, I think it was. No, that was the first one. The second one. Whenever one... The third one. The third one, yeah. It was like and, Beyonce. Yeah. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Uh, that one, he looks a lot like him in that, yeah. <laughs> in that case. Um, and uh, he has a great scene when he when he talks to... Uh, well, yeah, Eckhart they... For the first time. Yeah, they... Uh, he talks about how he... You know, he's not a ghost, he's yeah. actually alive, and yeah. it's the way he delivers that line. Look closer, Thomas. I'm alive. It's great. It is. Um And then yeah, uh claims that Josie actually warned him off, and that's why he's not dead. Because yes. Josie betrayed Eckert. Yes. And this is what's leading me to believe that Catherine and Andrew, they've been a team the yeah, whole absolutely. second season. And they're basically setting it up so that both of Josie and Eckert Enter that hotel room angry at the other one. Yeah, scared, looking for yeah, a fight. Looking for a fight. Yeah. Um. So he's basically setting that up, uh, because he's lying to Eckhart because Josie didn't know that Andrew was alive. Right. She fainted exactly. as soon as she saw him. So yeah. he's lying there. He's setting her up. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, they, I think we we kind of disagreed about this when we were watching it about why I got the sense that the end game for them was always Josie to kill Eckhart. Mm-hmm. I feel like Eckhart was the actual problem. He's the financial risk. He's the one who does all these bad things. So 
they that's why they gave Josie the gun. Right. To kill Eckert when they confront. They want to make Josie feel so afraid that she will, in self-defense or not, kill Eckert. Well, and make make Eckert so angry that that he'll go at Josie with anger in his gate or whatever. And and then Josie will fire. she'll fire. So Um, I feel like that's been kind of the setup. All I said was that um, they don't really care what happens to Josie. If Eckert decided to kill Josie he would go to jail and she'd be gone like they don't it's not like they they want her to come home at the end of the day they could care less what happens to no her, yeah right? for sure and if Josie kills Eckert yeah she's gonna go to prison right? of course so so, I think yeah that's just a double that's just a bonus for them yeah they don't they really don't care at all about what happens to Josie yeah. is the impression I get yes uh, um, they also uh Eckert mentions that oh well the or no sorry uh Andrew Packard mentions that Josie has found new love, and this is what yes. you were talking about earlier. She falls in love often, and the sheriff is the new yes. love interest. Um, and Eckert states that, oh, well, he solved that problem. Right, and which that's he hasn't. Left no, he has not, because yeah, we see Truman, Truman is walking still there, around. Yeah. But, but it does come back, come back in, in, in later future episodes. episodes yeah. um, and then, yeah, they both leave. Yeah. It's a fun little scene. It I, is. I really enjoyed seeing uh, uh, these two actors yeah. kind of play off each other, veteran actors. Yeah. Um, very yeah take this soap opera return yeah. from the dead storyline and play it in a way that makes sense in the world of twin peaks mm-hmm. which is hard to do we, yes. we've seen other soap opera line storylines kind of fall flat mm-hmm. and i think this one it just succeeds just by virtue of the yeah them the, and, and the that's right carrying I, it so uh, still eckhart, not my favorite but no but eckhart does die in this episode he in, does. in a few scenes um, and I'd forgotten about that. I thought I honestly I liked this scene so much that I thought it happened like two or three more times. Uh, they had a more witty back and forth, right, and right, right. and they they played off each other so well um, that I literally remembered that. Well, Eckhart <laughs> dies, but his presence lingers for yes, there, quite a while. Yes, so absolutely, um, it's it, until actors, the very final episode. These really. actors do not meet. No, they don't. Yeah, no, they don't. Um, so we go from there back to well, it's still in the Great Northern. Yes, back down to the dining room, and we've got uh, daddy, daughter, and uh, business partner. I guess dinner at in in the hotel, which is yeah. um, where you find out that what Wheeler does, what John Justice Wheeler does, is buy up failing business. companies yeah. and turn them around and sell them for a profit, but with an environmental kind of edge it, on yeah. them. Yeah. And all I could think about was Richard Gere's character in Pretty Woman. That's exactly, That's exactly who John is, Justice right? Wheeler yeah. is. Is is he uh, is the, the guy. When, when did um, Pretty Woman come out? Was it 89 or 90? Was it, I, so it was fairly recently after this. Yeah, like so they, it, I mean this is this is a fairly common 1980s yes thing. Like yes. this was something that it was it was one of those businesses if you weren't going to be a stockbroker, you were yeah. going to be some or an architect, you were going to be like a guy who buys businesses and then turns, and then turns around, around and but does so them. in a morally positive yeah, way. Yeah, so I mean this was just a, a way to make money that made you not a you know yeah. Wall Street executive. Yeah, exactly, right? yeah. So, so they yeah they that's exactly that what they use here, yeah. and and it is very cliched. Um, and it's funny, uh, Audrey. So they they're talking about yeah the business and and he he mentions like the Virgin Air or something like that. Ben does something and, and then it Audrey, says Audrey chokes. coughing. Yeah, yeah it's, um, it it's 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 just very heavy handed double entendres that happen throughout this scene. Ben ends up leaving um, yes. because the chef threatened to stab or tried to stab Jerry, which. I totally could see happening. Yeah, oh yeah. Of it course. makes sense to me. Jerry's just back there fiddling with stuff. Of course, and, yeah. telling him how to, you know, 
cook a proper Bernays sauce. And, yeah. uh, but anyway, uh, so, so that leaves yeah. the two would-be lovers at the table together. And, uh, and Audrey seems kind of uncomfortable with this. And she, and it, John brings it up. He keeps yeah. telling her to call, call me Jack. Jack and she'll call him Mr. Wheeler the whole time. Um, but they have this little back and forth, and really, I zoned out for a lot of it because it's it's really not it's bad. important. But yeah, she, he says like you don't like me very much, and she says I don't have an opinion either way. Yeah. Uh, and then yeah, she basically says like I'm sticking up for my family. Exactly. I, I, we've we've never fine. needed this before. So I mean, it it does kind of come back like like Audrey does have um you're laughing what's what do you okay mean? my note here is john <laughs> justice wheeler makes the eyes at audrey and audrey asks him how hard his dick is right now oh my god because <laughs> that's all that was happening <laughs> in me in the scene is that they were just like yeah it is it's, it's were, a prelude to a kiss basically like this is this yeah. is if okay i don't know how many romance novels you've ever read yeah oh yeah this is it though. this yes. is it yeah, right yeah. this is the two characters who meet and they don't like each other but because but if they don't like each other sexuality underneath yeah, yes it's, exactly it's the there. sexual tension is yeah. so thick and it comes through in this scene when they're not having a conversation about dating or about having sex but they are but but audrey still says i'm only 18 yeah out of nowhere out of nowhere and his response and what exactly does that have to do with the price of eggs what does that mean what does that mean is i that don't know thing? i'm gonna just i'm gonna start saying that just in random conversations when somebody, somebody says asks a question or i'll be like well what does that have to do with the price of eggs is uh, this maybe, a saying? Maybe it was a saying? a saying. If it's a saying, that is understandable. Because otherwise, my place went to, well, you're old enough to have sex because your <laughs> eggs are functioning. Like, that's where I took it from. And it, it does, made me... It, I mean, in the context of this scene where there uh, is some, yes. like, sexual tension and the entendres coming into play. Yeah. But I don't think that's what they meant. I, I don't know. I really, I don't know what the price of eggs thing means. Yeah, maybe it is a I phrase. I, uh, listeners, please do fill us in. Yeah. If we are totally missing the ball on this one yeah but yeah i read it as like you know if there's grass in the field play ball <laughs> statement from jjw and uh but it is it is yeah. a weird thing for her to say i'm only 18 yeah. because that didn't bother her before when it was agent cooper um and now all of a sudden it's it yeah, does it, bother is, her because of, is, it just it just yeah it, it doesn't audrey make sense. season two yeah bad yeah so bad um so, so presumably, to, yeah, yeah, presumably this is happening very shortly yeah, before, before 9.30. 9.30, because we, we go to the roadhouse and we see uh, Donna and Shelley meet at the bar. And they have a little conversation back and forth. And this is the scene that, I, I, they've never had a scene together before, no, really, no. Donna and Shelley. And they share a cigarette. Um, I think this is why, I, we've never heard what how old Shelley is. We know she's an 11th grade dropout. Yeah. Um, Potentially, these were classmates. I mean, this is what what yeah, came to my mind yeah. is that Shelley and Donna knew each other from school, yeah. and they're meeting up together. And Shelley's like, "Oh, are you meeting James here?" No, I'm. De-. You know, and they yeah. share a cigarette, and then they they match up their poems. Yeah. And but it was just interesting because it, it it just got me thinking. Well, none how of these characters is. like Shelley and Audrey never had a scene together either. And, Aside mean, from their like very brief interactions in the diner right? yeah yeah that kind of stuff yeah but, but never, they've never had never any had, kind like, of a personal conversation conversation yeah no um and it's so kind of sad that this scene is that's it they just come together put down their poems and then audrey comes up on the other side yeah. and puts her poem together yeah, 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 them, okay, yeah. and right. then shelly reads it out loud and Wyndham Merle's just watching creepily right. and that's the whole scene it is and it's like yeah. these three women 
the three queens, they are going to be the centerpiece of an important plot. They have absolutely no, nothing to do. Yeah, they they have no. Well, I mean, Shelley and Donna, or sorry, Audrey and Donna, do eventually have um, yes. some connection, but it's really not. No. Yeah, it, it's like this, uh, just another instance of women characters as plot devices. Yes, that is kind of sad. Yes, it is. It's really pathetic, and I, I don't. Especially for a character. I mean, especially for this plot. Shelley, I, I love don't care about this plot. I no. Well, <laughs> I mean, it, especially because it has these three characters that have absolutely no. I mean, spoiler alert. It, they don't go anywhere. It's no. not like this is what... Becomes the, the central drive. Yeah. yeah, none of this yeah actually matters in the long run. Right. And that's that's um, and that well. And it bothers me less because uh, Donna never really had much to do, uh, anything of interest to do with, with any of the plots that she was no, involved in. No, no. Um, I did care a lot about Shelley. Yeah. Um, yeah. and, I, and I wanted Shelley uh, to have good things happen to yeah. her, and I wanted to see her role... And Audrey is one of my favorite characters, and she's now, again, relegated to a plot device. It is just unfortunate. Yep. Um, okay, so then the, the final scene is kind of the where we've been headed for the whole episode. Um, it starts off great. It does. Cooper's practicing his cast. With <laughs> when his, an, his, a knit, yeah. like a line of uh, red uh, yarn. Yeah. He's wearing a pair of red woolen socks, too. A trucker hat. Yeah. He's gone full... Full native at this yeah, point. Yeah, that's really, the way of describing yeah. it. You know, he's he has become a Twin Peaks citizen. Um, um, he gets a phone call though, yeah. and it's Catherine. Um, well, no, it's the I front think, desk. I is thought. it the front desk or is it Catherine? It's someone he wanted to know when Josie was going to be. Are there. you sure? Well, because that's why I he said Catherine. I wrote down oh, Catherine. Oh, okay, then yeah, probably you're right. I will rewatch nope, it. And you are correct. It out. But anyway, we'll just he gets a phone call, and um, so he grabs his gun. Yeah, he knows where it's Josie and She's going to up at Eckhart's suite. Yeah. So he knows where that suite is, apparently. Well, it's probably um, the biggest one. I would imagine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. probably. That's yeah. a good point. Um, but yeah, he goes up to see her and he approaches the door and he hears an argument going on, but then he hears a gun go off. Yeah. And he barges in. So first of all, the door is not locked. So really, Mr. Horn, you should fix the locks on your... Well, or who didn't lock it? Josie didn't lock it behind her when she's going to kill a guy? Like... Anyways, yeah. it's pedantic. Yes, let's, let's not, not worry about that. Um, yeah, but so, rushes in. But we we see Eckhart and Josie laying in the bed, yeah. and Josie's head is on his chest. Yes, you are, and he is the one who moves. So you yes. think my first thought yes. was Josie's dead. dead. Yeah, then but he then gets. when he gets up, you see that he's bleeding from uh, a gunshot wound to his midsection. Yeah. And he collapses on the floor, and behind him, Josie is kneeling on the bed with the gun pointed at Cooper. And they have a little uh, uh, face-off, I guess, where he asks, why did you shoot me? And I thought her answer was very interesting, Mm -hmm. because it it reminded me a lot of Jean Renaud's comment that... Um, you brought the your presence alone exactly is all it is takes what is, to turn make bad things happen exactly yeah. and Josie's like because you came here that's why I had to shoot you because you came here yeah. so um, she's and, and then Truman bursts in so I don't know yeah well Truman knew because he was at Catherine yeah. and Pete's place so he bursts in with his gun drawn and yells at her to put the gun down and she's so upset and she she's just killed a guy. Um, in self-defense, he was trying to kill her, she says. And uh, and then she clutches the gun at her chest and... Well, she, she kind of apologizes to Truman she does, and, yeah. and says that she loves him. And she cries. Mm-hmm. 
and that that's the thing that to me uh, what i said earlier about her just playing with people and she doesn't know what love is she's incapable of actually having that emotion here it, it casts that in doubt again it makes me feel again that josie no she really did love truman um and i feel like that love and the fact that it's incompatible with everything else she needs is what kind of kills her okay but is it is it that she wants is it that she loves him or is it that she wants to manipulate him into fixing this for her well th- she knows she knows there's no way out and i feel like that is the problem is that there's no way this this ends well. She's got a gun. She just shot a guy. A federal agent witnessed it happen, basically. She's going to jail. There's uh-huh. no way out for this. Well, unless it's self-defense. Okay, yeah, she could claim that. But but she she also knows that he... Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're right. Cooper, exactly. Right? There's exactly. no way Josie's getting out of this. Yeah. And that's what hurts her. And then she... But she still wants to love Truman. Either she wants to use him to get out of it, mm-hmm. and the incompatibility of those two truths are what Is causes what, her to yeah. collapse... Or she does love Truman, uh, and she just she knows that 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 love is never going to happen anymore. She's gonna the one thing she has left in the world, which is Truman, is going to leave because she has to go to prison. And, yeah. And and basically. And he's a lawman, and he can't be. Yeah, he can't. He can't do both, right? Yeah. So, and and also probably the pain that she's caused him. If she really does love him, yeah. The the pain and suffering that she's caused him by protecting her for all this time right. uh, is is terrible. Um, and then yeah, so she she and and the way she does it, like she kind of trembles, she's trembling, and but she points the gun almost up at her. You yes. think maybe she's gonna kill herself that way, but right. she doesn't kill herself, as far as we can tell. Yeah, uh, she just kind of collapses, and Truman rushes over, cradles her, and says she's dead. Yeah, and the weirdest thing is not what comes next, but Cooper has no reaction. <laughs> yeah, he just kind of looks away. He's like, mm, tough break. Like that's that's yeah. literally it. It's it's so odd. Not like. What do you mean? How did how did she die? Because there's like, nothing inherent in what happened that would cause them to believe that that could happen. Yeah. Like, like she doesn't have any signs of like a heart attack. Like you could understand she's obviously sure. in a very stressful situation. She could have a stroke or a heart attack or something like that. But there would be visible signs. She just kind of collapses. Yeah, and she's dead instantly. Like that's, yeah, there would be some shock there. But I think the more pressing issue for Cooper is that he has. The first encounter in a long time that he's had with a, a lodge spirit. Yes. So the light comes on him again, just like it did in the roadhouse yeah. when the giant All appeared the, giant the last time. Yeah. And uh, Bob crawls comes up over under, the edge of the no, bed. from under the bed. That's what it seems like. It does like. seem like it's from under the bed. Yeah. But, but it, Which he, is he crawls, so much nightmare material. It is. You're right. The boogeyman under the bed. Yeah. Um, but he crawls up onto the bed. And he asks, what happened to Josie? <laughs> so there's something weird going on there. And then Bob disappears and the little man from another place uh, is dancing on the bed. And the music is playing. And then they fade away and, and you're left with Cooper cradling, uh, or sorry, Truman cradling um, Josie's body on the bed and weeping, sobbing uncontrollably as the camera pans away slowly to the drawer pull and we see uh josie screaming in pain and anguish as she pushes her face up against the well it becomes yeah it's like a 90s cgi thing where it's like a textured (laughs) overlay of a face yeah just the outline of it pressing almost like a death mask really kind of what it looks like pressing up and and moving within the the doorknob or the drawer pole trying to push her way out of the wood and then it freezes with her stuck in there just this this anguish cry yeah um so we freeze frame on, on her face, and then what I thought was just so jarring is that the credit sequence still plays over a picture of Laura, Laura Palmer. Palmer. And, and all I could think about was how 
how we have fallen as a, as a TV show from the height of of pathos with who killed Laura Palmer, who killed Laura Palmer, and to, now it's like what happened to Josie? Yeah, why Literally. is she in a drawer pole? Yeah, it's it just. Um, not that this is a bad thing. I really want to stress that I don't hate these episodes. This is not no. a condemnation of Twin yeah. Peaks season two. It really isn't. It's just that this has become such a different show from the show that we all fell in love with, with the pilot and the story of Laura Palmer. This is now like full on crazy town, right? And again, this is one of the things that feels like it's odd for oddity's sake because it's never tied back. And I think that's yeah. the problem. If it, if it had successfully tied it back, which, again, there were there were hints that there were supposed to be things yeah. that happened. I mean, Josie had always been kind of connected with wood. She was the owner of the sawmill. Yeah. She was bringing in the wood this episode. I mean, yeah. there was always kind of a connection with her and the woods, potentially. Right. Living in the Blue Pine Lodge. Yes, yes. She, um, you know, she was one of the... She was nearby Laura's body when she found her, which is right beside the giant log. Yeah, you know? exactly. Like, there's, there's a lot of things that connect Josie to that kind of yeah. wooden you know ethos of twin peaks yeah so you know maybe in season three there will be a hint of something right. there could be maybe in this season three that didn't happen there there was going to be something planned yeah. uh like i said there was at least a shot of um Josie's character that was supposed to be in the final episode or right that uh, frank considered. silva mentioned, yes, mentioned. it at, a, at a, a one of the early twin peaks festivals i think yeah that's where he we... brought it up that uh oh no Josie's in the lodge because we filmed scenes with her in the yeah. lodge or with it it was actually a body double body double because john chan wasn't there but yeah, yeah but um but that her head was outside of the lodge and her body was in the lodge or yes. something like so that so but that didn't like... make it make it into the final cut so yeah. frank silva was there to see it filmed but yes. was not it was not actually yeah, he didn't, obviously he didn't watch that episode or was, forgot about yeah, it or whatever it. yeah but i mean uh and that that that's kind of an interesting take is that yeah. perhaps the wood is kind of the 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 barrier the um what's that what does osmosis go through the barrier no but like uh the membrane membrane yes, yes yeah membrane. so what is kind of the membrane between the lodge perhaps and and the real right, world right um and, well, and we josie's we've, stuck in them like that would be a hellish place to be of course right? and we've we talked about how um the great northern was supposed to be yes kind of the real world um black lodge yeah like it was it was the representation of the black lodge yeah. in twin peaks so for her to be stuck in a drawer pole in the great northern and then also potentially having part of her stuck in the Black Lodge. I think there's a lot to that theory. Yes. And, and and to have Bob and the little man there at the moment of her death um, ties that in really well, too. So, yeah, what did happen to Josie? It's, yeah, it's something it's, that has not been worth... answered. It's something I hope is answered in season three. And, uh, and then, yeah, to tie it back to what we said at the beginning... Um, this ABC took this off the air for six weeks, and this was for the longest time the final image of Twin Peaks, and it may have been the final image that we ever would have seen of Twin Peaks had um, the letter writing campaign and the uh, the fan support um, not urged them to air the the last episodes. Yeah. Um, and this was a kind of a low point in the ratings. It was, I think, seven point yeah. two million we saw, or something yeah, like that. Yeah, it was very f- fairly low. I mean, yeah, and it, it did bounce back when they did reboot the yeah. series again a couple six weeks later. Or so, yeah. um, probably because the fans had demanded it so much, right? Um, but yeah, this, and it is, it still feels like a low point in the series, just because Josie's storyline isn't 
isn't doesn't feel complete. Feels like it just got cut short. Right. And she's off into this odd thing. She, you just see her face in a in a in a handle. Piece of wood. Yeah, and that's it. And it doesn't it doesn't feel like doesn't feel like uh, any of the other elements that kind of get much more attention and detail brought into them. So, I, but I still think I mean, if we're gonna, we posted on our on the the Bickering Peaks Facebook page a couple of weeks ago the um, the breakdown of Twin Peaks into four shorter seasons. If you wanted to look at it this way, um, and I think a lot of people would would debate where this episode would fit in if we were to go with that, um, whether it still kind of belongs to the the kind of slumpy part of season two or whether it represents the first bit of the upswing back yeah. to the to the pinnacle that the final episode represents i'm tempted to say it kind of still feels like slumpy yeah just because it's it, I mean, it, yeah. it does introduce a lot of really interesting things and it does pick up the, the drama is heightened and there's there's well, something that's pushing starts, us toward the next episode yes. but but we do have the issues on, yeah. with kind of a lot of these more soap opera type things yes. with John Justice Wheeler and with the three girls being plot devices and and a lot of these like the yeah the Leo and everything yeah and James just yeah. literally getting the soap opera treatment yeah, yeah there's it, a lot it, of... it does feel like it was just kind of um, just a lot more of these like let's wrap up these storylines quickly before we get to the meaty stuff um, but we would you know debate that if, if you yeah, feel yeah, differently so we would love to we would love to hear it but um yeah that's that's kind of our view on this yeah. we talked about this for a lot longer than i expected yeah. we would yeah i didn't think we'd have much to say about this episode but we did but so we did yeah so uh, i hope you enjoyed it yeah and um we're we're back next week with the the next episode which which really does is gearing up towards the finale and yeah. uh and things really do pick up from here so um yeah we hope you'll join us for that If you're enjoying the show and want to join the conversation, you can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash bickeringpeaks, all one word. You can also follow us on Twitter, that's at bickeringpeaks. Or you can head over to iTunes and leave us a review or a comment. We'd love to hear from you.